welcome back to Brain Vomit, the daily podcast journal of me, a confused 23-year-old trying to piece together self-identity and what life is really about. And hopefully you join me in this journey and learn something new about yourself. And like I like to say here, self-reflection is king. And like I promised, we finally have another collaboration, a long format podcast. And I collaborated with a podcast called Anonymous Hedgehog. And it's a pair of friends, Rich and Maya. They have amazing content. They have a lot of longer format conversations and kind of spark new thoughts and ideas. And it's really entertaining. And I recommend you take a listen. I hope you enjoy this collaboration. And yeah, let's just get right into it. Welcome back to a collaboration episode between Anonymous Hedgehog and Brain Vomit. So we are really excited to welcome Brain Vomit onto our podcast. Um, So why don't you explain a little bit about what your podcast is about and why people should listen to it? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Rich and Maya. I really appreciate it. But yeah, Brain Vomit is me just uh, reflecting on my day. It's basically a daily pernal is what I like to call it, so a podcast journal. And yeah, I just realized that when I reflect on my emotions, my anxieties, kind of my memories of life, I feel better because there's, you know, there's kind of answers that you can find there, little nuggets of knowledge about the patterns you are in and kind of what makes you happy, what makes you sad. So I hope when I reflect, people who listen are able to reflect on their life and kind of grow with me. So yeah, please come listen if you ever have some time and we can grow together. And again, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to collaborate with me. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. We're so excited to have you on. So for your audience that doesn't know that much about our podcast, our podcast is called Anonymous Hedgehog and our hosts are me, Maya, and then my partner, Rich. And so our podcasts are basically, we kind of do a deep dive into just kind of random daily topic topics and we just analyze them from an almost like philosophical perspective. So we just like ask questions about normal daily tasks, like brushing your teeth, taking a shower and ask questions that you probably wouldn't otherwise ask. And we just kind of take it from there. Um, so yeah, why don't we start off the conversation? So I thought that um, interest, an interesting topic for today's podcast would be kind of social media indulgence. I know that you talked about the YouTube algorithm in a previous episode of yours, and I thought that one was super interesting because it reminded me of a video that I actually watched on YouTube, which was basically like this guy, um, he did this experiment where he, I think he like closed all his tabs and then he just talked about a random topic and the topic was dog toys. And And he had never Googled the topic before. He never searched the topic. So he just talked about it for a minute. And then the next moment he opened Google, a bunch of ads for dog toys showed up. And that just reminded me of the algorithm. Like it's like literally (laughs) designed for us. And I find it so just like very unsettling kind of how the algorithm works. Yeah, it's really freaky stuff because the more they get to know you through your talking and whatever you're clicking the more they can give you the stuff you like and the more you stay on the platform right and the more they can advertise and make money off you and it's freaky because i feel sometimes the algorithm knows me better than like my own friends and family and so yeah it's so (laughs) it's scary because they know you know you search stuff on those platforms that you might not tell your friends and family right uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so even those little details like the the computer and the machine knows more about you uh it's weird That's so funny that you mentioned that the algorithm knows more than the people you're closest to. And I would say that that goes so far to say that the algorithm even knows more than what you know about yourself sometimes, Mm -hmm. because it's using all this advanced technology like artificial intelligence to piece together what you've told it, which is what you consciously know about yourself, to create these predictions of products that you may not even know that you want 
but you see them on like the YouTube advertisement and you're like, Hey, I, I do want that. But how did it know? I didn't even know that I wanted that. Yeah. It's yeah. That's such a good point. Or just kind of like, I also think it's scary with like individuals when they start, you start watching people so much and people's ideas so much where it's like, where is it your thoughts and opinions and where does it become like the people you watch thoughts and opinions, right? Like when does that blur Mm -hmm. get, that line gets kind of crossed or blurred where it's them telling you stuff and you're like, oh yeah, I agree. I agree. But if you watch so much stuff, like, is it really you or is it the people and the content that you watch that kind of is forming your opinions and thoughts? Yeah, I think what you talk about, like, this is something that we, like, talk about a lot in our podcast. It's like the chicken or the egg problem. Like, is the algorithm tailored to you or is the algorithm, like, shaping who you are? Because I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of the videos and social media content that I consume almost shapes my personality. And it, like, if you think about it, social media actually shapes our day-to-day interactions. And I find that so weird because, like we think that we're in control of what we consume, but really what we consume is shaping who we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's so well put. It's so freaky. I was going to ask you guys, have you ever watched uh, black mirror on Netflix? Yeah, I have. Have, have, Did you ever watch the, the first episode of the third season? I think it's called nosedive. Is that the one? um, Is that the one where they like rape people on the street? I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. And so just a little context to whoever's listening is basically every interaction you have in the world, you give it a rating. And so you can't get certain things if your rating's too low, right? Like you can't rent an apartment if you're below like a four star or you can't rent a car or you can't have a certain job. So everybody's super fake because everybody wants a five star rating on their interactions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's freaky to me because I think in a real world, we kind of do that, right? With like Uber, restaurants, uh, with retail, certain retail, you can like say, you know, they gave me good service and like, is that going to expand into our world too, where like it has control over our behavior because we want kind of this online persona to be liked by people. Mm, That's an interesting point too. And it's like, you can see it from two sides. Like the rating system provides like checks and balances for your Uber driver. He, he has to be good to you or or he knows he's going to get a one-star rating. But at the same time, it's like, you don't want him to be so good to you that he loses his personality. Exactly. And that kind of begs the question, like, do we even have a unique concrete personality (laughs) that is associated with us? Or are we constantly putting up different facades based on the checks and balances systems put in place by the media that surrounds us? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I can't. Yeah. I, I think it is. It's like how much, again, it, it's a blurred line with the, with online because like what you're saying, the check and balances. And also, you know, you have so much power when you get on a social media platform of editing, right? Like right now we're having a conversation mm-hmm. and I could slip up, slip up and you're like, oh, I don't like this guy or I like him. And on social media, I can be very deliberate on how I say my message. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't like it, delete it, right? Or same with a picture. You can, we all like are crafting our image on these platforms to kind of send a specific message, but that might not be you at all, if that makes sense. Mm, I think the terrifying thing about the nose dive episode that you were talking about is that you actually you can't edit yourself. So you kind of have to edit yourself in real time. So like your real personality just like never shines through because people are constantly rating you. So like if I post on my Instagram profile, I can like edit the picture to make myself look however I want. Right. But if like in real life, I can't 
edit myself. So like the way I speak, the way I present myself, like I have to somehow refine all those things in real time. Cause like now, you know, I get up and I like, it's quarantine. So I get up, I put on sweatpants and I don't really put on makeup and I don't really care. But if I knew that people were rating me, I would obviously spend a lot more time kind of making myself look extremely presentable. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I mean, that just sounds so stressful to me, right? Like you're always having to put up a character kind of like this persona and that's tying right like I, I I experienced that in high school where I think a lot of people do where you're trying to like keep up with the trends and keep up with what's good and what's bad mm-hmm. and I personally remember it being exhausting because it's not you being you and walking in your shoes you're it's kind of like a job almost if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that especially when we talk about like in school and also just social interactions in general, I feel like it's a very much um, like fake it till you make it kind of phenomenon because I find that um, at least with a lot of my social interactions, like I try to put up a facade, but I find that after a while that facade gets easier and easier, which it almost like just meshes with who I really am. And like, you can't, like, I can't turn it off anymore because it just becomes my personality. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's deep. I never thought about that. Yeah, it definitely has an impact on it. And yeah, I mean, personally, for me, these last three years, I've been off social media completely because. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I recently got back on for the podcast and like getting involved with the communities that are podcasting. But personally, during high school, middle school, it was really hard. And when I was in college, I did studies. But you know, when you're young and you're seeing like these very well put together people or they seem mm-hmm. like it. Right. Especially for women, like a lot of my research at the end of my uh, senior year was revolved around depression, anxiety, uh, suicide rates, because, you know, these young girls are seeing women who they're just not attainable standards. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. it can cause a lot of depression, and anxiety, because like I need to achieve that, but they, they can't. So that's also an interesting realm to dive into. Like, what are what are we seeing and how is that impacting us at a young age? Mm. I feel like me and Maya have actually talked a little bit about this in the past, sort of about how ideals on social media can be taken both ways. Like there's one side of things where you can be really inspired by someone who looks amazing, who has, you know, three running businesses, is making a lot of money, shows the money and the cars on their Instagram, and that's inspiring. Or you could see that and you could think, why am I not there yet? I'm never going to be there. And you could get you know, it, it could cause things like depression, like you said, and it could really, really destroy someone's self-esteem. And I, I think it's just interesting to think about where that balance between motivation and a crushing self-esteem actually lies. Because once we're able to find that balance, I think we can optimize social media because it's not all bad. There's definitely benefits for social media. And I think we can optimize it to actually help people instead of make them feel like they're not enough. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. It's a lot about balance. But I and as I've gone back into it, I, I definitely agree with you. I think what's hard is when you're a kid, right, or you're younger, it's harder to find that balance, right? It's easy mm. to kind of just get lost in the world of social media and all the negatives and maybe the positives as well. And yeah, maybe it takes a more mature person. But also, like, I'm speaking from my personal negative experience, right? Like, I was definitely on the side where it, like, caused me depression, anxiety, And I think part of it was you see people who are very talented, 
but you don't see the work they put in, right? Like the social media posts, mm-hmm. like look at me with this championship or look at me with whatever goal they achieved, but they never post about the three or four years where they struggled to achieve that, right? So you're just thinking like, wow, they were so successful so easily. Like why am I not being successful easily? Yeah, this is the exact like kind of survivor complex, I think it's called, that me and Rich talked about on a separate episode, which is just like you only see the people that have succeeded. Like you don't see the people that have failed, you know, like you don't see the people who try to do a startup and then, you know, didn't make it. Like you only see Mark Zuckerberg, you see Jeff Bezos, but you don't see the thousands of other people who tried to probably do something similar to what they did, but they didn't. Obviously, like if you failed, you're not going to make a whole like I I failed post on social media, right? (laughs) And I think that I kind of want to ask you this because we are a couple years younger than you. We're actually in college right now. Um, So I want to ask you, like, kind of what was your experience growing up with social media, Um, even though we're only a few years apart? But I feel like in, I guess, in today's day, it's like a few years can make a huge difference. Um, So for us growing up in high school, like social media was like a huge thing, you know, like people use Snapchat and Instagram starting from middle school. And I think I made my, I think I made my Instagram even in sixth grade. And it's so, it's crazy how young I was, um, making my Instagram account. So kind of Mm -hmm. what was your kind of personal experience with social media growing up? Yeah, it was, that's an interesting question. Like, actually, I remember like junior year of high school, like Twitter coming out and like people Mm -hmm. being like, what is this? And like it being it weird and people really trying different things you know because each platform like with instagram i think you obviously would know this like when it first came out before the carousel thing it was like you only post once a day right yeah Uh, and you post like at 6 p.m because that's the optimal time where like the most people are gonna (laughs) see it and you're gonna get the most likes or whatever the most comments and it was interesting to experience i guess like people trying to figure out what are the rules or kind of like what are like our Mm. social rules with a new platform and Cause people, I mean, you see it now with like NBA players or comedians where like they go deep in their Twitter and they're like, Whoa, like, why did you say this, uh, back when you were a younger kid? And it is problematic. Don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of it was probably like a new platform and you're young and you're trying to see how you interact with the platform. So that was interesting. It was just, it just, for me, it was weird because it was such a comparison, right? Like the people who got the most likes were like almost the people who were liked more in school like you almost could like rate each other through how you well you performed on social media and that caused me a lot of anxiety because it was like like I said it was like a job like if I'm my posts aren't doing well like am I falling in the ranks of school and Mm. that was kind of my my uh my experience I would say and that's why I hated it like I I didn't like the anxiety it brought of like the competitiveness right I think that's a great point about how social media is sort of a rating system on how you perform socially yeah. because that is so like literally the, the number of followers you have can speak volumes to how funny or how cool of a person you're perceived as. And that's just not healthy because if you, if you have a few followers and then you grow as a person socially and you know, you really work on yourself, people will be quick to judge you when they meet you because it's like, Oh, he only has, X number of followers. I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. And honestly, like that, that sort of third, third party that contributes towards people's perceptions of you just should not exist, right? It should be fully based on 
your personality and the way you're talking and what you're talking about, not the number of followers or the number of likes you get on your post. Yeah, no, I love that point, Rich. I think it's really powerful, especially like with the podcast has been another interesting thing because like a big question I guess like, oh, how many downloads or listens are you getting on the podcast, right? Oh, yeah. People love that. And I'm honest with them, right? I usually say like 50 or to 100 per episode. And their reaction is like, oh, that's nice, you know? But I know if it was like, oh, I'm getting thousands of downloads, they might consider listening or, right? Or like they'd be more intrigued. Like it's kind of like this herd mentality that I agree with you. Like if there's more people backing you up, it's kind of like, well, there must be something there if this amount of people think it's cool. Yeah, Mm. but I feel like that's so... I don't know. At least my experience with YouTube is that I feel like that's very not true. Like, I don't know, but just like if you watch like Logan Paul, all the (laughs) team 10, what is it like these, these big YouTubers, I'm like, wow, your content kind of sucks. Even though you have like 20 million subscribers, like I would, I cannot get through a whole video of theirs, you know, because I just, it's so (laughs) obnoxious to me and, but they have millions of subs and like, um, people are more willing to watch their videos versus someone who has maybe 30, 40 subscribers, but who actually puts out quality content. Like it's so inaccurate, the rating system. Yeah, no, yeah. I totally, yeah, sorry, go ahead. But but the fact of the matter is, Maya, you've, you've watched these Logan Paul videos and that's what's terrible. <laughs> I know, yeah, I, I like know bought into content. it, but like I know exactly. it's bad. Exactly. Like it's bad content, but the fact that so many people back it up means that even you who knows it's bad content (laughs) has been so heavily exposed to it that you've watched their videos enough times to say, yeah, this is bad content. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, we're speaking about it right now, you know, and I think those people Mm -hmm. that maybe their content isn't great, what they're really good at is marketing and branding and exposure. Like that's what they're experts at. Maybe not necessarily like making creative YouTube videos that have like deep meaning or really good content, like you're saying. They're Mm -hmm. just really good at being like, this is me, like this is what I do and just being like loud. And so, yeah, people notice them and people hate them. But like, uh, there's like, there's like something to it for sure where people are like, you know, once you start getting your first haters, you kind of are doing something right. Like I've heard that. Yeah. Because it oh, means, I've heard that. Yeah. Because yeah, it means like you're expressing yourself, like you're, you hold an opinion, you hold the value. And when mm-hmm. you do that, people inherently are going to disagree with you because they have different opinions and values. Yeah, I think that definitely like what like you said, like once you get your first kind of haters, like that's when you've really like you've gotten popular enough that like you can be disliked. And I think that like I say that, you know, like Logan Paul is stupid, but at the same time, like if I were put in that position and given the opportunity, like I would be dumb not to take it. Right. Like making (laughs) millions of dollars, living in my mansion, making like (laughs) random videos where I prank my friends and like I would take that, you know, like, right. I feel like a lot of people would just jump at the opportunity, even though we all talk about how Logan Paul is like, you know, dumb or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, my, my major was advertising and they also, I guess this ties into social media in the way, like there's no bad publicity, right? There's no such thing as bad publicity. And I mean, this man filmed someone who hung himself, right? And like, we forget about that. Like, that's insane. Like, that's crazy. And somehow he's more he's popular he's still popular right maybe more popular i haven't really checked in and yeah and i think that's another interesting part of digital media that i'd like to hear you guys like 
like bad baby, you know, the catch me outside girl. Like it's oh almost like social media and like becoming popular, it's almost turned more into like how do I become infamous? Like not about being yeah. good or like doing good stuff. It's like how do I do something so crazy and so mean that people have to pay attention to me? That's very true. And I think a prime example of that right now is the rapper Six Nine, yeah. who, you know, after coming out of jail, it was like Every single thing that he did was so calculated. The different rappers that he dissed, the different people that he made sure to, you know, call out, calling out the actual um, framework that, you know, rates songs. He called out, I think, Billboard for faking music streams and things like that. And it's like once once you attack these huge organizations um, that, that are usually set to be pretty structured, that's when controversy rises. And it's through that controversy that you gain even more support, which just seems so counterintuitive. Yeah, it's so weird. And also, or like uh, the Kardashians, like I don't, I, mm-hmm. like there's so much, like there are episodes, right? The show is drama. Like we love drama. And it's just, right. it's weird to me as a culture, like why do we love and support drama? Like I haven't sat with it that much, but we do like anything crazy, any drama, murder, you know, scandals, like we, we love it. Like we feast on it. And I just wonder as Mm -hmm. a society, why is that the content we have chosen to be, uh, like Maya was saying with Logan Paul to be up top, the ones that we support and give our money to basically. <laughs> I think part of that is because um, I was reading something about this, um, how our attention spans have just become shorter and shorter. I know this is not a new topic, but I, I was reading an article about this in relation to our presidential debates. I don't know, like, do you live in the US? I didn't even ask. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, so sorry, because like I feel like Americans always assume everyone else yeah. lives in the US. So I appreciate it. Um so I was reading um an article about this in relation to presidential debates. So they were talking about how like the time given for speakers um on presidential debates have gotten less and less. And so how like now um in presidential debates, it's kind of like people are focused on making that kind of Twitter moment that goes viral. And you're only given mm. a minute to make your argument. Like they're just like immigration, one minute go. And that's not enough time to even make a cohesive <laughs> argument uh, like put on legislation regarding such a big topic that literally impacts every single American right but then um, I feel like all the presidential presidential candidates when I was watching the debates this year it was kind of just like they were all like trying to get that viral moment right yeah. and then I remember like some people I think Tulsi Gabber went viral because she like tanked Kamala Harris or whatever um, and so it's just like kind of that like roast that you get in your 30 seconds on Twitter and you're trending like that is your goal, right? Your, yeah. your goal is not to make a co- cohesive argument. Your goal is to attract attention online. Oh, it's uh, yeah. I've thought about this a lot because that was the other th- reason I quit was because of my attention span. And I've and, and luckily though, like there's studies that the brain is very plastic, right? Like you can mm-hmm. read more, you can meditate, and things like this will help you kind mm. of grow your attention span again. But I've noticed that because uh, on one of my other panels, I talked about how it's crazy that you know our entertainment used to be like books. And then it, yeah. went into, it went into movies, right? And then it went to YouTube, like 15, 20 minutes. And now TikTok is like a minute, right? I don't know exactly <laughs> how long, but like yeah. how, how, like it's almost like how small can we get in a frame, like a time frame to be entertained? Because I can mm. consume like 2,000 TikToks in the time it would take me to read a book, right? Or even more. Right. And yeah. it's, it's really, that's a really scary thought to me because... I know about a lot of things, 
but I don't know if that may, like I don't know deeply about anything. Like mm. I, I, I can see stuff, but I have no knowledge. And then it's weird because then people act like they're the experts, right? We're like, well, I saw a TikTok or I read a tweet and now, <laughs> and now I know everything. It's like, ah, and you're in school, right? Like they're teaching you, you need to have resources and like scholarly articles. Right. And like, this is how you make an argument. But when you get to the real world, it's like, well, I don't want to spend an hour or two like really digging deep into this problem. And then people make up an opinion kind of. <laughs> That's such a good point. And I really like the way you phrased it. It's like people are so caught up in getting information from a variety of sources that now that they have so much information, they just feel like they're the experts when in reality, it's all surface level information that's so surface level, you can't even call it information. Like it's literally like fun facts that don't even tend to be (laughs) true. And just regarding what you said about like the plasticity of the brain, I think that's a really good point to come back to as well, because it's true. Like we're, our, our human race is this, the same race that used to read books for entertainment. And, and now it's, it seems as though our brains have sort of morphed into getting enjoyment out of these bite-sized TikToks. And I've been reading this book called Mindsight, and it's about sort of the plasticity of the brain. And you mentioned, you know, doing things like meditation to change the way you think. And that's sort of what the whole book is centered around. And I just think it's, it's really interesting how like when I downloaded the app TikTok, I could feel my attention span had gone down. And when I was reading books, it was harder to focus. And I had to do a cleanse and delete TikTok, delete Instagram. I kept Snapchat because that's how I text people, but I deleted everything else. And And literally instantly, like within a couple of weeks, I was able to read books much faster. I was able to concentrate easier again. And it kind of begs the question, what is more efficient? Like, is it more efficient to just get this bite-sized information if our brains want that more? Or is it more information to sort of, is is it better to sort of force yourself to get information from these long sort of boring sources like books? Yeah, no, I I love that you use the word efficient because in our classes, that was like the main purpose of all this, right? Like we all want more time. Like time is the resource we can't get back. So it's like, Mm -hmm. how do we make things more efficient? But our professors always taught us like, is efficient always the best answer? And another great example uh, is fast food, right? Like fast food is super efficient. Like you go in, you go out, you eat in like 20 minutes and you're done. But we know the side effects of fast food, right? Like it's horrible for us. It's, It's terrible. And so, but our society is always trying to find ways like how can we be more efficient but i but it's not always the best answer like maybe it is better to take our time and kind of digest things instead of just like consuming as much as we can or doing as much as we can yeah and i think that the this kind of brings back the question of like surface level knowledge versus like deep diving into something and i think that the part of the reason that everyone sort of has surface level knowledge but no one has deep knowledge anymore is i feel like we kind of because um of social media and because of like the rapid spread of information we live in a culture where we're kind of expected to have an opinion about everything you know like it's like people ask me like, Oh, what is your opinion on X topic? And like, I, like I've probably maybe like seen one headline about it. I have no idea what they're talking about. I really don't know Mm -hmm. the logistics of it, but like we're expected to form an opinion on those things. And so it's kind of like the whole idea of just like people who know the least usually think that they know the most, you know, like people who, um, actually don't know what they're talking about are probably the most cocky and probably the most just like arrogant about their opinions and the ones that will try to convince you that they're the only ones that are right. 
Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And I mean, again, it's, I mean, it would be difficult to have an opinion on anything well, because you're right, like, we get so much news and so much information, right? Like today, it's a news article about whatever. And I haven't been able to read fully about what is the problem yeah. or the situation. And then tomorrow, there's something else that's going on that's crazy. And that's what everybody's talking about now. So I love that point, because it's true. Like, you don't even have time between like information and news to really even digest what happened yesterday. Um, uh-huh. And ah, that's so difficult and scary. And like, how do you even start to traverse this world? And it's, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting question. Yeah. And I think that I want to, I want to ask what you think about this. Cause I've been seeing a lot of this on social media and rich and I talked about it briefly is that a lot of people have been posting like, Oh, if you like, they're kind of like guilt tripping you into reading about, um, different issues. Like, Oh, if you, um, you know, like don't, if you don't go have the time to, you know, read the news and be informed, then you are privileged. You know, this is a privilege for you to ignore the news. And I have always kind of disagreed with that premise just because I feel like, you know, like I am privileged enough or like I, I'm thankful enough that I have the time to kind of consume this sort of news. And I, I like politics. So I go into like, I read the news and I actually enjoy doing that, but I understand that a lot of people like, you know, they have a job and they have a family and they don't have the time to constantly be consuming the, the endless news cycle. So I was wondering like kind of what your view is on that. Yeah. So you say their argument is that if you have time to read the news, you have privilege. Yeah. Well, their argument is just that, like, if you, like, choose not to read the news, then that's a privilege. It's like, if you choose to ignore it, that's the argument. But I'm saying that, like, I kind of think about it as the opposite is like, I have the time to read the news versus someone who has probably more responsibilities than I do doesn't have the time. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree with what you're saying. I I don't even understand the argument from the other perspective. That was like, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, <laughs> if you have it, I, I think you're right on point like it's having that free time to be able to be informed is a privilege because if as you're informing yourself right like you can go and make arguments you can make different points it kind of reminds me what's that guy who goes on campuses i don't really like him but like he says like steven crowder yeah yes oh steven crowder (laughs) yeah and he obviously like takes days or hours or whatever to like get really informed on the topic on his Uh side and then you have these poor college students that like obviously haven't studied any of it or like have anything to back up their argument and they get crushed. And so I agree with you. Like it, the person who has the time to like study and like understand the facts of a, of a, a situation or a historical moment is in a more powerful situation. Um, right. And that takes time though. And if you don't, if you're busy or if you have two, two jobs, you'll never be able to be that person. Cause the last thing you want to do when you come from work is read the news. <laughs> yeah. I think that this show, the fact that you haven't heard or like you don't understand the other argument just shows that I spend way too much time on social media and you probably don't because like <laughs> I have only heard the argument. Like I've seen a lot of posts like on just on my Instagram feed, like, Oh, if you like, you know, if you are not informed about these issues, whatever, then you're choosing to say ignorant and you're like privileged or whatever. And I've just been reading all this stuff. I guess, I guess that I just spent like an inordinate amount of time social media i should really stop doing that (laughs) no no i think it's awesome i think it's awesome i wish i i think what i like i love our 
what we're doing here where we can have a conversation and we can make our points and kind of listen to each other. And that was my other kind of big problem with social media is that like, I don't think the comment section is the best tool to like have a conversation yeah, with someone, exactly. right? It's not very organic. Mm. It's not very uh, live, I guess. Like, And maybe some social media can figure that out. But yeah. it's not a good place to have a conversation. Usually it, it deteriorates to p- calling people names. <laughs> exactly. I Honestly, I, I love that you brought up the point about how like doing things like these podcasts and calling friends and actually having um, in-person conversations really incorporates the facet of listening because I think that's just really, really missing in, in all of our interactions online. In, in social media, you see posts where they're literally saying, like, if you disagree with me, unfollow me. Or <laughs> mm-hmm. if you think yeah. that this is wrong, I'm blocking you. Or there's people that have been going through the following lists of p- certain people that they don't like and unfollowing all of them. And I think that's the opposite of what they should be doing because unfollowing them just causes an echo chamber where you're only hearing your own side. And having these conversations in person, it's it's like... I feel like in person, we're just taught to, you know, be quiet when the other person's talking and actually listen more. But on social media, we're taught to use caps lock and basically be as loud as we can and make the most extravagant posts with the brightest backgrounds. And there's just a huge disconnect between actually trying to understand the other side versus trying to shut down the other side and force your opinion down everyone else's throats. Yeah, no. And I love that point too. And I love the word echo chamber because that's the other scary part, right? Like I only follow the people I agree with. I only watch the TV (laughs) I agree with. Uh, And lately my girlfriend and I have actually started to watch Fox News. So yeah, I'm more left leaning. Mm. And we've done that to just kind of understand because we have family who are are on the right side and obviously mm. our political environment is very you know very intense right now and so we just wanted to see like are we crazy like what are they watching right kind of like what are, <laughs> what are they arguments what are they points of what you're saying like because if i'm just listening to like what i agree with like how will i grow from that like i'm not challenging my ideas i'm just like oh yeah my ideas are right mm. and i know i'm not always right like that's an important place to be it's like i I don't know everything like I need to kind of be open minded, which is hard. I think that's like it's very you mentioned how you like are left leaning and you um, started watching Fox News. I think that I have recently started to do that, too. But like so I'm more right leaning. So I but I do consume a lot of left wing news um, kind of on a regular basis. But I, I find that it's very difficult. I feel like no matter what side you are, like, do you ever feel like find that when you watch Fox news, like it's, it's, it's difficult to watch news that you disagree with. Right. Because you're kind of trying to debunk it in your mind instead yeah. of just like listening, <laughs> like what argument are they making? Cause I find that like when I read an article that I know I'm going to disagree with, I automatically go into a kind of debate mindset. Like how do I find what's wrong with this article? You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to look at everything, all the studies, like I, there has to be something wrong with it, but I'm not actually kind of like, listening to like or reading what they're even saying i'm just trying to argue with it yeah no i i definitely do that and i'm trying to find a way not to do it like you said and just listen and not already be so like going into combative mode and being like how do i how do i show that i'm not wrong my (laughs) perception of reality is not uh twisted um but for me it's more also like trying to find news outlets that are just the news right like 
both left yeah. and right, it's personalities, right? Like a lot of those shows people watch isn't the news. It's like a figurehead who's like, this is my opinion on, on the world mm-hmm. and the events. And it's bad. I think that's bad because then it just, you become fans of these people, right? And then whatever they say, you're like, yeah, that's right. You don't really make up your own opinion or mind anymore. So like, I personally love NPR. Like I know it can be left-leaning, but they have a lot of segments where it's just like, this happened at this time. And these are kind of like the survivors or whatever it may be. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the facts. It's nobody telling mm-hmm. me what it is. Usually, I don't know who the person is. So, like, I have no personal connection. And then I have more time to kind of, like, think for myself instead of immediately being like, this is what happened. And this is why it's wrong. Or this is why it's right. And just going with their idea or flow. Ah, uh, that's a, I think that's a really good strategy. And I, I've, I've sort of learned the same thing in these past couple of months as well especially because the news has just become so polarized. It's hard to find something that's neutral. Yeah. And so going for sources like NPR that are that are more on the neutral side gives you an opportunity to make up your own mind. And, and sometimes I find that I'll come up with an opinion. And I, I remember telling Maya this once, I'll come up with mm-hmm. an opinion and then I'll look up, wait, is this opinion a Republican or a Democrat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll search it up and I'll find out it's it's either the side that I support or it's the side that I'm opposed to. But I only look it up after I've made my opinion so that that can't really influence me. Because I know that if I, had, if I was uneducated about the viewpoint and I searched yeah. up, what do XYZs think about this? I will just agree with them because I identify as an XYZ. Exactly. No, it's so true. And it's scary too because like I am left, like I said, and I have friends who, you know, love celebrities. And it's funny because I've caught some of my friends who will be like, you know, Johnny Depp or Matt Damon or whoever tweeted something like, yeah, they're so right. <laughs> but I'm like, they're in, they're like an actress, like they're talented, <laughs> like don't get me wrong, but like what yeah. do they know about politics or what do they know about the economy? You know what I mean? Like, or social issues. Maybe some of them are very educated on it, but like, I don't know that. Like I, I, so there's definitely like sources like that where like you, you have to be careful because it's just like you like them. So you will agree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the funny thing is you mentioned celebrities. Like, I feel like I was talking about this with Rich too. It's just like, our politicians have become celebrities. Like, I mean, obviously our president right now is a, was a celebrity. (laughs) And I know that Netflix recently made um, a documentary about Michelle Obama's like becoming. And I was thinking like, wow, like our, our politicians are celebrities. If you look at AOC, like the reason she's so popular is because of her ability to use social media. And she is, is like a celebrity. And I find that it's so, it's so fascinating. That's why Twitter and Instagram has such an ability to kind of influence like politics and social issues. It's just because like our leaders of our country are, they are celebrities. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good point. And it's scary because it goes back tying into like, it's small information. You don't really have to sell yourself that much. You just have to do a couple sentences or a good picture that oh. people will like. Right. It's just like, or like you see this a lot where like, uh, politicians will take pictures with like veterans, right? Or whoever, right. Like, Black yeah, Lives yeah, Matter. Yeah. And they're like, look at me. But like, what work did you put into that, right? Or <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. have uh, you really put an effort? Like, it's so easy to sell yourself in a, and make the image, like we said, right? And it is scary because it's like, how much is it they're good politicians and how much is it just pandering? Uh-huh. Oh, that's a really great connection back to us just wanting bite-sized information, which is why these politicians are celebrities. And 
And I think it honestly works both ways. Like our politicians are becoming celebrities, but our celebrities are also becoming yeah. politicians. Yeah. Like you see Kanye West's tweet recently, and <laughs> it's like almost every single rapper, singer, actor is posting political content. And I know Maya, Maya's viewpoint on this um, is that the reason why they, they seem yeah. to be so political is because like they, they don't feel fulfilled in just being an actor. Like they don't feel fulfilled in just being a rapper. Like they want to do more, but, and, and although that comes from good intentions, like it may not be the most um, efficient way to use their platform considering they're not as educated as actual politicians or actual people who have, you know, majored in political science and know what's going on in the country. Yeah, no, totally. And I think maybe a good way to wrap this up is, uh, in one of our classes, we talked a lot about social media is really young if you think about it, right? Social media has been around for like 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, it's yeah. not very old. And we mm. as a society are still learning what are the best ways to use the power of this technology. And it's it's so it's still a learning process. And it's still like us as a society, though, and like having these conversations are important because we have to continue to think about how it impacts our daily life and not let it take over. And how do we think social media is appropriate in society? It's very young. And our last couple conversations between each other got echoey and kind of cut out. So I had to cut it out. But I just wanted to say thank you so much to Rich and Maya for hosting me and having me on their platform and kind of in their conversation in the world. I had a blast. I hope you guys did too. So now I just want to move on to the questions of the day, which are how do you deal with social media? Do you think social media is bad for society in the long term or good for society in the, sh in the long term? Uh, what is your relationships with social media? And kind of just think about how it impacts your daily life. Again, if you have any questions, thoughts, ideas, please email me at questionsforthebrain at gmail.com or you can find me at Facebook at Brain Vomit or on Twitter at Brain Vomit too. Like always, have a wonderful day and peace.